If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Sam. Sam has two beautiful boys, Kai and Eli, that she conceived using a known donor. So welcome to the podcast tonight, Sam. Sam, I'd love if you could start us off with what led you to make the decision to become a solo mum by choice. Okay, so probably always had the thought there in my head that it was an option. Um, I did move out west to a little town about six years ago where I grew up from the Mm -hmm. coast um, for a job. So I thought, well, you know, I might meet somebody. The dream we all have. Yes, (laughs) I tried the online dating thing, which just doesn't work in a small town. So I hated that straight away pretty much. So that was in 2016 when I moved here. And then my best friend back on the coast got diagnosed with cancer in 2017. So I spent 14 months um, pretty much just going backwards and forwards to the coast to be with her at doctor's appointments and, um, you know, treatments and things like that. So that sort of was a bit of a wake-up call for me. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, life's really, really, really short. And she just got sicker and sicker and sicker. So it would have been around early 2018 when she was quite sick and I started to think to myself, I don't think she's going to beat this. Mm. And I thought, you need to do it. If you want to have a baby, you need to have a baby. Yeah. So I didn't want to do it while she was sick because I wanted to be there for her. So she passed away in August 2018 and I had already decided I'm doing this, I'm doing it later but I am doing it yeah so after she passed away I didn't want to jump straight in and go right I'm getting going to get pregnant right now so I and but I also knew I wanted a known donor okay and I didn't really know how to go about that either (laughs) (laughs) so I did know a couple who have conceived all their children via a known donor and I knew they hadn't been to a clinic or anything like that so what I did was I contacted them and I sort of was like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. Can you point me in the right direction? So they were really lovely and they gave me a list of like basically websites, okay. groups, websites where you can find donors. 
and I joined a few of those and I sort of just I just lurked <laughs> for a little <laughs> while because like I said I didn't want to jump straight into it after I just lost my best friend and um I decided I decided okay six months and I'm going to try mm-hmm. so I'll spend that six months you know healing and doing what I need to do and I might try and find the perfect donor and see what happens and so I put like a little spiel out there on some of the sites and I had a couple of people contact me and I sort of red flag <laughs> immediately <laughs> not immediately actually a few one or two I was like no no way yeah but um sort of just didn't feel comfortable at all and so then I thought okay I think I have to look I can't wait for people to come to me I have to look this is what I want so I um spent quite a lot of time searching these sites and then one person popped out at me and I um, messaged him and we had a really good chat and I sort of he just straight off the bat was lovely lovely guy and so I you know I told him when I wanted to possibly start what I you know what was what what were his expectations from it yeah would he want to see the child would he you know I didn't really want that I was happy for the child to meet him whenever they wanted but I didn't want regular contact or anything like that yeah, and he was fine with that. So basically, we set up that because I live in the sticks, <laughs> I had to travel a fair way anyway. So he lived seven and a half hours away. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'll come down in March and we'll meet in person. And if it's you know, if I am happy and you're happy, maybe and the timing's right, we'll I'll try. And so basically, I'd set up to go down down and see him in March and I was a bit naive I didn't go to the doctor beforehand right. <laughs> get any tests or anything I sort of had in my head six months I'll try for six months if nothing ha- nothing happens I'll go to the doctor mm-hmm. I do however have a neurological condition okay so I see a neurologist pretty regularly I did talk to him because I was on some medication that is quite dangerous when you're pregnant um, I talked to him, told him my plans. He was happy. He said, just come off the medication now. So I talked to him in January and I was planning on trying in March if all went well with the donor. So I came straight off the medication and went and met my donor in March of 2019. And we chatted, we, you know, straight away. I thought, he's great. <laughs> he's great. He um, did not make me feel uncomfortable at all. So it was really good. and. He already had a um, had donated, so he already had a you know a donor child, mm-hmm. and he showed me a photo. But he was like very protective of their privacy, which was great. And so I was like, okay, great. The timing, I you know I'd tracked my ovulation for a few months, and I was ovulating that day. And I said, well, if you're willing, I'm willing to give it a try. So he did his thing, and I did my thing. <laughs> And then do you just get it in like a turkey paster or how does that I was really, I did look into this a little bit and I, so I went down with, you can buy these kits on eBay actually. You can? Okay. Yes. I had no idea and I don't even know what made me search for it to be honest, but I found that and it was like a kit with uh, syringes and other specimen cups. There was pregnancy tests. There was ovulation tests. I think that was it, but it was, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I was like, here's a cup. And he's like, no, I'd prefer just to straight into the syringe. (laughs) 
I'm like, I was like, oh, okay. There's some good aim, I have to say. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I left. The, I was at a motel and I sort of just went for a wander outside because, you know, a bit awkward. <laughs> and he came out and got me when he was done and off he went. And, yeah. <laughs> Did the whole legs in the air thing and. Help gravity. The next morning I got up and drove seven and a half hours home. <laughs> And did you have any sort of contract or anything in place with him before you did that? Or how does that side of it yeah, work? Yeah, we did. Um, just one off the internet, basically. But um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not, a, I don't think they hold up anyway. Okay. So I've been told that, but I'm not sure. But I thought, you know, this is good to have. Hmm. So we do have that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we've got a contract, but whether or not it's legal, but I've never had any issues. So fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, so we put yeah, our legs so, up in the I, air and then what happened? Yeah, so then I got up at 4.30 the next morning and drove home and took a million pregnancy tests way too early, <laughs> as most people do, I'm sure. Yep, yep. And 10 days past ovulation, I got a positive. Wow. So one donation, one time, pregnant. <laughs> pretty impressive odds. Yeah bit crazy I was I think I was just in shock for quite a while probably the whole pregnancy I never really thought I was getting a baby at the end of the, like the yeah. pregnancy I don't know if that yeah it just was really weird so yeah I was very lucky it worked straight away and so how was the actual pregnancy once you um I had the normal morning sickness because of the neurological condition, my, my neurologist was wonderful. He had no issues whatsoever. He said, you know, many, it's quite a rare condition, but he said many people with it give birth every day. So yeah, he had no issues. But doctors sort of didn't seem to know what to do with me. Right. <laughs> so they panicked a little bit. And I'd get, you know, I got referred to um, the John Hunter Maternal Fetal Medicine Team, which is like, seven hours away from where I live in That's the country <laughs> but they do come here they do come here once a month so the first time I saw them I was 27 weeks pregnant I did do the nip test and it didn't get any results okay. so two times and nothing came back like it just said no results which was but the doctor yeah. didn't seem worried about that so I was like okay whatever 27 weeks I went to my first appointment with the John Hunter team and she panicked and said why you know you didn't get any results that could be that something's really wrong with your baby and I was I left the appointment burst into tears oh, I'm, I'm about to cry for you she, That's saying, awful message. Have, yeah. she wasn't very great doctor <laughs> but she um basically said I should have an amnio and I was just, you know, it was so much information just thrown at me in this appointment. And I was like, you know, what? What? I've had, you know, healthy pregnancy. And then all of a sudden you tell me that the baby might not survive. I have no reason other than I got no results on the NIP test. So um, I went to my GP, who, uh, my OB here, <clears throat> who's awesome, and I love her. <laughs> and I told her and she was really like, oh, I've never heard of that. But, you know, it's up to you. You know, she's a specialist, this woman in John, at John Hunter. Get, went through the pros and cons of having the test and I sort of was like, yeah, okay, I thought, yeah, okay, I'm going to have it. Just I knew I was already really anxious with the pregnancy. Yeah. And I never am anxious when I'm not pregnant. So it was new for me to be so anxious all the time. And I thought, I just want to know. Either way, I want to know. So I had that done. I had to go to Newcastle for that. So drove down, <laughs> drove down there, had the MNEO done, 
stayed the night, drove home the next day, and then had my baby shower on the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this this timing's just perfect. (laughs) The baby shower was great. The next day when everyone went home, I just stood in the baby's room and cried because I was like, I don't know if this baby's coming or not or if there's going to be something wrong or... Anyway, everything was fine. Perfect. What a whole heap of stress for nothing. I know. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was just horrible. And um, another thing was that they would not let me birth here. Okay. So because it's such a small hospital, they they just didn't give me a choice. And I had to go to Tamworth, which is three and a half hours away. And that was about you rather than the baby? Yeah, about me. They were worried. I don't really know what they were worried about. Even my neurologist wasn't really sure what they were worried about, but, you know, he said, you know, they're the professionals in the baby thing, you're just going to have to listen to them. Um, so then they, because I had to go away to birth, they were going to induce me, mm-hmm. which was horrendous. <laughs> so they induced me at 39 weeks exactly, yeah. I think it was. For two days they tried, they tried the tape the servidal gel tape stuff. Yeah. And they tried the blue, Foley catheter blue thing, which it was horrible, and it didn't work. I didn't go into labour. Nothing happened. Baby did not want to come out then. <laughs> he didn't want to come. should have just <laughs> left it. So after the um, – they tried to break my waters after the balloon one and he was moving his head back from the – cervix or whatever and they wouldn't do it because they were afraid of a prolapse like a cord prolapse okay so they said look we can't do it because that could be really dangerous and I'm like oh okay I've been in here for two days already what next and I sort of asked a midwife and she said oh they'll probably send you home for two days and then get you to come back and try it all again and I know I just sat there like I can't go (laughs) do this again this is what I just I had a funny feeling I was like I feel like if I go home, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And and it didn't help that she kept coming in. I had the monitor on and she kept saying, oh, just lay on your side for a second. Oh, just turn this way. He's just a little bit, you know, his heart rate's a bit funny. And I'm like, send me home. Mm. Anyway, she's like, just go back to your room. The doctors will come and talk to you. So um, the doctor came and talked to me and she basically walked in and she took one look at me and said, we want to get this baby out of you today. We don't think you're going into labour. Mm. And I was like, Okay, great. I'm all for it. I just have a feeling you need to get him out. So I had a C-section that afternoon. Yeah. And he did have the cord wrapped around his neck and it did take them a little while. He cried when he came out, but it took them a while to get him breathing properly, which I didn't realise. And my mum told me later and I was like, I'm really actually quite glad I didn't see that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was. Probably really good feeling as well. And the doctor said, nah. Yeah, not going anywhere because oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm so grateful. And I just, you know, yes, thank God. So yeah, he was born healthy apart from that. Like he never didn't have to go to special care or anything like that. And I'm just grateful he got out when he did because I came back here back home for my six when I went to my six week appointment and the doctor here was reading my notes. She said, I think if they sent you home, you both probably wouldn't be here today. And I was like, was it that bad? Like, wow. What? So that frightened me. So, but I was like, oh well, thank God they got him out when they did. So, yeah. And so your mum was obviously with you when you gave birth then. 
Yes, my mum was with me um, in, you know, she came in for the C section and one of my brothers actually came over as well. Oh. So he didn't come into the room or anything, <laughs> but he was there and he came up and saw us straight after Eli was born. Yeah. So that was nice because I was there for five days and I just wanted to come home really. <laughs> so your mum was there when you gave birth. Was she really supportive of you going down this journey and having a baby on your own and using a non-donor? Yeah, she was. I think she probably thought I wouldn't do it. Like when I told her that's what I was doing, I think she probably thought she won't do it. (laughs) Like I don't think she, she didn't have anything against it. I think she just thought, oh, she's just saying that she won't do it. But she was really excited. She's always wanted, I'm the only girl out of six kids, so I've got five brothers. And she just really wanted me to have a baby. I think she didn't really care how it came about. Yeah, I think she just didn't think I would actually go through with it and then obviously I did and I got pregnant straight away so there wasn't really much time I didn't actually tell her that that's what I was doing until probably three months before before you got pregnant before you had the baby three months before I got pregnant (laughs) (laughs) I'll be right the baby (laughs) I really only told her and my sister-in-law and my brother a couple of my brothers and that's it and they were all really supportive. But and yeah, you told your best friend what you were thinking as well before she passed? I didn't, and I do regret that. The only reason I didn't is because I, I, I didn't think she was going to make it. Yeah. Um, she, so she had cervical cancer. It went to her lungs within a few months, and then it went to her brain. So from the time it went, um, we found out that it was in her brain, it was only two months before she was actually born. Mm. And that's when, like, I had pretty much decided around that time and I thought I don't want to tell her something that she's not going to be here for I just I just had this feeling because when she was actually knew she was dying and she only had a few days left a few people had come and told her she was pregnant she was so excited for them like of course but I just kept him in the back of my mind going but she's not going to be here and it must be so hard for her and so I didn't but I do regret not telling her actually but I think she knows (laughs) So my littlest one is actually named after her. So her name was Kylie and I've got Kai. Oh, that's beautiful. her Aunty Kai. Yeah. I was going to ask yeah. if there was something in the name that honoured her. So Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we've jumped forward a bit that there is a second yeah, we have. one. <laughs> yeah, it's my second one. So I was never going to have, I was never getting pregnant again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So what happened yeah. there? <laughs> Uh, within a week I think of being home with Eli and I was home you know I, my brother one of my brothers lives with me now he yeah. um, moved over here when Eli was about one but you know for the first year I was just me and Eli and I think within a week of being home I just looked at Eli one day and I thought oh, this is great and I thought I need to give him a brother or sister <laughs> straight away I was just like I need I'm having another one I know I said I wasn't I actually contacted the donor right then and there to it and was like would you be willing to donate again I know I said I wouldn't but I do want to now and he was like yeah sure so went through it all again <laughs> was it as easy the second time it, well, it, it was better yeah better. I think I was less less anxious probably because I was so busy with the toddler. Yeah. Um, my OB, he, I didn't see her from the start last time, so I only was referred to her, sorry, after about, I don't know, 16 weeks or something. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to see her from day dot with the second one. So I was at Eli's 12-month checkup 
when he was 14 months old, so it was a bit late. And I knew I was going to see my donor the following week. And I was like, I'm going to make an appointment with her now because she's really hard to get into on the off chance that I get pregnant again. And so I saw her from day dot. And I, when I walked in, she knew that I had such, you know, she knew I hated the induction. She knew that I hated having to go to Tamworth to have the baby. And she was great. She did not refer me to anyone. She talked to them all on my behalf. She um, fought for me to actually birth here at home this time. So she was so good. So I think that was a lot less stressful that I knew I didn't have to be away from Eli for however long in a completely different town. Yeah. Yeah, so it was much better. I did have a few scares. I had a fall one morning leaving for work and um, my ankle gave way and I fell flat on my stomach on the concrete out the front. It was about 17 weeks then. I must have went into like adrenaline or something and just dropped Eli at daycare, rang work, talked to one of my team members, told her what happened, drove to the hospital. As soon as I got to the hospital, burst into tears. Everything was fine, but that was probably... And the only other scare I had with him was I had too much amniotic fluid for a little while. Oh, too much. I haven't heard of that before. Yeah. And um, they weren't really that concerned. They just sort of said, oh, there's a bit in it. We'll redo the gestational diabetes test. And because um, sometimes I think that's what it can mean, which was fine. It was perfect. I didn't have diabetes. And, and then it went back to normal, like it reduced. So I don't really know what that was about. <laughs> just wanted to float a bit more. I don't know. <laughs> But, yeah, much, much cruisier this time, the second time than the first. And did you have to have a Caesar again, given you'd had one before, or could you do a um, We were actually aiming for a VBAC. Mm-hmm. Um, the first appointment I went to with my, when I fell pregnant with him, was like to go and say, oh, I'm pregnant again. Um, I said to her, I don't want to be induced. <laughs> Straight away, seven weeks pregnant, I said, I don't want to be induced unless... I don't know, you think it's really, really necessary. And she's like, okay. I said, I'd actually rather have a, have another C-section than mm-hmm. be induced. She's like, yep, fine. I said, but I would like to try, you know, just and not because I hated my C-section. I actually recovered really quickly. And But with a toddler, it is going to be a little bit harder. So I thought if I can avoid that, mm. I would. So I did everything, you know, all the way right up until 39 plus six days, I was going for a VBAC and then uh, I went on maternity leave four weeks before he was due and I was just sick. I just got sick. I just felt sick all the time, nauseous, everything, sleeping constantly. He stopped moving a lot. Mm. So he was always just really, really active and then for like the last two weeks I was just constantly, you know, pressing my stomach, drinking lots of cold water, trying to get him to move, going to the hospital to get monitored. So I went in and saw her at 39 plus six and she, I told her, I said, look, I just don't feel well and he's really not moving much again. And she checked him and his head was way up here under my ribs still. <laughs> and she actually said, there's no point in juicing you because You're not <laughs> going anywhere. <laughs> she said, but I want to get this baby. I really, we need to get this baby out if he's not moving. And I, she said, I want to do a C-section tomorrow, which was his due date. And I was like, I trust you. If that's what you think we need to do, that's what we need to do. Yeah. So well, I went in and had a C-section on his due date. One of the, the few babies in the world that would be born on his due date. 
And so getting pregnant with Kai, was that as simple as the first one was? Was it just a um, I had, thing? Yeah, I had planned to go down, so I turned one at the start of December and I had tracked again, tracked my ovulation for a few months and I, you know, it was ovulating the following week and I'm like, right, let's do it. I only had to be at work, you know. I worked out how long I had to be back at work to get maternity leave and paid parental leave and all of that. Yeah. And we went down and... I was under a lot of stress at work and probably I got my period early. <laughs> so I ovulated early. So I ovulated the day before I was supposed to go to, down to see him. And I almost cancelled because I thought, well, what's the point? This is, you know, this is a long trip for, you know, prob- unless the test is a little bit out, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> but I'd already organised to meet up with one of our donor siblings. Mm. So I was like, oh, we'll go anyway because I'm really looking forward to this and, you know, maybe the test's a little bit wrong. I can get a donation and you never know. So we, I went anyway and we met one of our donor siblings. So it was worth it. I didn't get pregnant because the timing was obviously probably off, but it was, yeah, definitely worth it to meet one of the donor siblings. And how did you make contact with the donor sibling? Just going slightly off. Um, yeah, so through the uh, talk to the donor about, you know, who, not who, but how many are there. And he had, the one that we met, had also said to him that she was interested in knowing. And because she said, I'm happy for you to give my name to whoever, mm-hmm. he told me her name. And I looked her up and we just started messaging on Facebook. And she was, it was actually quite funny because when I was going down to get the donation, I thought to myself, I should message and see if they want to meet. But I chickened out. <laughs> <laughs> and she had actually just randomly me- messaged me and said, if you're ever down here again, we'd really love to meet you. And I thought, well, I'm going down next week. <laughs> and I told her, I'm like, I'm actually coming next week. So, yeah, so um, we met um, we met her and her little girl while we were down there. And we're also in contact with the rest of them, the rest of the donor siblings. So we've got a, we haven't met them in person, but we have got a, private Facebook group and how many are there how many other families um off the top of my head I don't know (laughs) there's a few though um but we but we basically we just post photos and little updates here and there and a few have expressed interest in meeting so I'm way away from everyone else but I'd have to jump in the car and drive for seven hours but can you see similarities between your boys and their children when they're sharing photos lots yeah. Lots. Yeah. Um, and which is really strange because I think my boys are the spitting image of me. Yeah. And everyone says that. Everyone else doesn't know what the donor looks like either. But there are quite a few when you're like, wow. Especially Eli, there's two, um, there's a little boy and him that are very similar. And they all have similar teeth. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they must all have the donor's teeth. <laughs> And he's got lovely teeth, so that's nice. I was going to say, I hope Lexi gets my donor's teeth. Not that I know what they look yeah. like, but my teeth are terrible. And I've been through many years. Yeah, so, of mine, so, so I'm really happy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really nice. So we pretty much, we, that was one of the things. I just wanted to know, you know, who, not who, but how many. And it's good to know, even if you never meet them, you sort of know who they are. Well, it's good that he's while it's not through sort of a, a regulated authority that he's doing the right things with it and 
keep yes, it. Yes, it did worry me a little bit because I, there are a few. I'm not even sure. If, it's not like hundreds, obviously. <laughs> like not that, not that many um but I was like oh wow there's more than I thought mm. but now I'm sort of like well I have no idea so I don't whatever yeah. and so and was so, it the next time that you met up with him that you got pregnant with Kai yeah so I didn't get pregnant in the December and then I had a holiday booked for January for Eli and I to go to the beach so I was like oh well I'll just I'm not gonna you know drag him away from that we've had that booked for a while so we'll go and do that and I was supposed to be ovulating on that holiday and my cycle must have been still mucked up and ovulated late, so I could have gone, but I didn't. And then the following month in the February, we went down and I got perfect timing, two donations and fell pregnant again. So, again, it was easy, a lot easier than a lot of people, even though I had to, it wasn't straight away, but, wow. yeah. So both the times you actually did a proper transfer, you got it. <laughs> yes exactly that's what I thought I thought well if I had actually got the timing right in December probably would have happened but obviously wasn't meant to be so no so I worked out in terms of getting the right leave off work and everything else in the right timing gap so yeah yeah and save myself another trip the following month which because driving's horrible but yeah and Eli came with me so Eli actually met met has met his donor twice now Okay. Does he so, know that that was his donor, though, or did he just know that this He was only one at the to? time. He just turned one, so he had no idea. But I did get, like, a photo of them for him and mm-hmm. like, of them together, and, yeah, he, you know, he just sort of this other person was there talking to his mum. <laughs> I'll come and climb on your lap. And so there is there much of a relationship that you have with the donor now, now that you've got the two boys? Um, no, I just really give him updates, like, every now and then. Like, he doesn't contact me. Um, he just leaves it up to me and um, I will send updates and photos and, and I'm quite happy to do that. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. And if I ever, ever ever am in the city, I probably will contact him and see if he wants to meet up. Yeah. So he can, you know, I just want the boys to be able to know. Eli's sort of getting to that age now where everyone's daddy. Yes. <laughs> Which is really weird. But everyone's also mummy and nan, so yeah, um, yeah. I think he's going to start up questions very soon, very soon. Cool. Mm. So, how are you finding life with two? Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> what age are they at the moment? So Eli's two years and four, five months almost. Mm-hmm. So almost two and a half, and Kai's just turned six months. So there's twenty two months between them. So how's that going? And he was still in nappies too. So two in nappies. It's the first, I would say the first six to eight weeks, I was just like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. have I done? And my mum was actually here for the first six weeks. Her help is to hold the baby, So, which I'm not knocking. Like she, if I needed to be with Eli, she'd hold the baby. But I was just like, wow, what have I done? Because Eli used to... Um, has always from birth put him in his bed and he'd go to sleep. Yeah. And then the day I came home from the hospital with that baby, nope, no way in the world will he go to sleep now. I have to lay with him for like an hour, hour and a half, or he screams the house down. So that's every night. And so around six to seven, when Kai was about six to seven weeks, I probably was able to get Kai into a bit of a routine. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I'd have him bathed and in bed by 6 or 7 o'clock and then I'd take Eli to bed. So sort of knew I was only really dealing with one unless it was I decided he was waking up as well, but that's only once in a blue moon. But now it's much easier. Now that you've you've survived the first, well, six months, is there any advice that you would give anyone who's maybe pregnant with number two at the moment on things that you wish you'd done that have made life a bit easier maybe? Um, <laughs> I was would say wait a little bit longer probably, but that's not going to help them. <laughs> I keep thinking to myself if the age gap was a little bit bigger, Eli probably would have understood a bit more. Mm-hmm. Because when I went into hospital to have Kai, I was only in there for two nights, but he wasn't able to visit because of the COVID restrictions right. and they just changed them the week before to say that kids couldn't come. And he never had a night away from me, so I don't know if that sort of... Mm-hmm might have had an impact yeah had something to do with the whole sleep thing or anything and I always think oh if he was a little bit older he probably would have understood but it probably wouldn't have made much much of a difference you know it's a new baby whole world's turned upside down it's no longer the Um, priority for mummy no yeah I actually I'd probably say just do it (laughs) just do it it's gonna be fine (laughs) once you pass those first few weeks it'll be fine and looking back on your journey now, is there anything that you wish you had done differently? Um, I wish I had told my best friend. I do wish that. Um, I kind of wish I had done it earlier, sooner actually. I'm like, well, why did you wait so long? But I'm, I was only, I was 32 when I got pregnant with Eli. So I wasn't like I was, I had That's left Pretty young in the, the grand yeah. scheme of most solar miles by choice. Yeah. So, but I, and then I keep thinking, oh, maybe you wouldn't have loved it so much if you'd done it younger. So, because I just love it. Like, I'm like, I didn't think I'd love being a mum so much. And I do. And I was like, oh, I wish I had done this so much. So, you know, this is great. Do you think there'll be a third one then? <laughs> if money wasn't an issue, there would be. Right. Okay. But um, I'm 95% sure that I'm done. But there's still that thought. and yeah I I just I keep thinking no if you had one more you'd probably have to get a new car and you'd have to wait until Eli was I would wait until Eli was in primary school yeah sort of gave myself a cutoff so I thought okay if you don't do it by the time you're 37 you're not doing it I turned 37 next November at the end of next year so still got a year and a half to decide so then yeah, but I think I would be at school by the time I you think, did it yeah yeah I'm pretty sure I'm done but you just never know I thought I was done the first time <laughs> that lasted a week nearly <laughs> <laughs> did I'm going again <laughs> so I guess you're one of the first people I've talked to that has used a known donor mm-hmm is there any advice that you would give anyone else who's considering it with what to look for or what you found useful when maybe you're having conversations with prospective donors that people should be considering? Yeah, so I the main questions I asked was, um, are there other donor siblings? One question I didn't ask, which I would ask, was how many families are you planning to donate to? Because mm-hmm. I didn't ask that. And then afterwards I was like, oh, there's quite a few. Not not a lot, but there's more than I would have thought there would be. Um, other thing I sort of was like contact. What sort of updates do you want, if any? 
Um, and I wanted them to be willing to meet the kids before they were 18 if mm-hmm. they wanted to, if the kids wanted to. And that was actually one of my donors' things as well. He was really like for that. He said, I want them to be able to meet me before they're 18 if they want to. And I was like, yes, I agree with that. So they're the, they're the main things I asked. And, yeah, the one thing I didn't ask was how many families are you planning to donate to? So that's one thing I would definitely ask. And you said that you had a profile up and people approached you and then you swapped that around to then you approached people. Yeah, so the first few I talked to were um, I had actually got as far as planning to meet one of them and, you know, like, yep, let's do this. And then I found out that he... Had, he had he had told me he had children from his marriage and then I found out that he got back with his wife and I was like, no, I'm out. <laughs> That's just really weird to know. So I cut that straight off. And then another one was just really pushy for trying to do it the natural way. Oh, really? Which I was definitely That's like not a doing. massive red flag, isn't it? Because, yeah, I was like, if it ever was to come down to, you know, a court case, I want it, you know, in writing that I did not do that. Mm. Help a little bit, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, he was, he just straight away, red flags, straight away pretty much. I straight up just blocked him and, you know, reported him to the, um, the site and all of that. And then, yeah, then I just got really, didn't get any of that from my donor. Like straight away I just felt comfortable. He was so respectful, really open, really friendly. And, yeah, it was just much – I just like it was like I knew in my gut this is the person. And the others was a bit funny about from the start. Yeah, so mine was a clinic recruited and that's all you can do if you go through a clinic in Victoria. But from the outside looking in, if I was doing it, yeah, you really want to be the one approaching anyway because if they're approaching you, it's like they're desperate to be donors, whereas it should be yeah. about offering it if the right person gets in contact with them rather than them pushing themselves on – female yeah it's kind of it was quite weird should definitely be the the female in the the power seat approaching the people that she's interested in yes and what sort of information could you tell about those people before you talked with them on the site um so they when they approached me I think I searched their like their profile what the information they put up about themselves so they usually they had photos Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe the second one didn't. I can't remember. But the first one definitely had photos and just sort of, you know, said I have two children from a previous marriage and I actually think he put photos of his kids up, which made me go, oh, that's not good. Yeah, Yeah, I don't like that. And the other one, I can't remember if he had a photo, but the information he was telling me didn't add up in my head. Like he said, you know, I've got a, a donor child, like I donated to a couple and they've got a baby and I've got a baby. And I was like, and I sort of said, okay, how does your partner feel? Assuming like the baby was little that he said he had, it was like three months old. How does your partner feel about that? He kept dodging those questions no. about a partner or the baby's mother. And I was just like, no, not happening. <laughs> not, you know, I'm not doing this to get into trouble. And when you started searching, what can, what information could you see about prospective donors to help you um, choose your so approach? It depended on the site. So some of them, most of them just put up like a little, it was like, really was like online dating. Okay. 
so it's like a little blurb about themselves and some photos and most I can't remember much about those two that I was like no way um most of them put up like you know their age and their height and their you know their eye color and their hair color and a photo when I met with my donor um he had all paper in it which he told me he would have all paperwork for STD checks and genetic testing and all of that so so he had that yeah he had his that in his profile and I thought that's really good (laughs) and does it have about like his medical history and family medical history and that sort of thing um no I don't think he had anything about his medical history um but we did talk about that yeah when we met before I had the donation so he told me about you know he didn't have any medical issues um my family's full of them so (laughs) I'm glad his isn't (laughs) um yeah so he's just you know, so there's nothing major in his medical history that I needed to know about. And I did like, again, another reason why I wanted a known person was if something ever came up, I could really contact them really quickly if I needed to. Yeah. So, you know, do you have this or? Yeah, I would liken it to online dating <laughs> for sperm, basically. Just imagine he's liking his little sperm pictures. <laughs> yeah. And that's what some of the, the websites were like that I was on. And I was like, oh, wow. It wasn't like a swipe thing, but it was it's like a full bio. You know, this is me. I was like, oh, I really do feel like I'm online dating here, but okay. This is a whole new world I'm not exposed to because I just got a piece of paper with no photos or anything. But... Well, I didn't even know that those sort of sites existed. No, neither. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. That's, you can't get, you know. You can't find a sperm donor on the internet. That's terrible. But they're actually the legitimate sites. And I was like, oh, wow. And they're very heavily um, moderated, which is good. So so I guess in parting, if there's anything that you would like to say to anyone who's kind of on the fence about going down this journey of becoming a solo mum by choice? I would just say do it. Yeah. I think it's the best thing I ever did. Even, you know, on the days where you're utterly exhausted, and you think oh my god why did I do this I've got two children it's just yeah it's great and I would stay say probably start as soon as you can because I was lucky I know people try for years and years and it doesn't happen so I would definitely I'm glad I did it when I I'm glad I didn't chicken out so I'm glad I did it and I didn't just go you know I might wait another year and see if I meet somebody because I probably would have talked myself out of it by then. Do you think you'll start dating again anytime soon? <laughs> I would like to, but um, I see that meme all the time that's, you know, if I'm going to meet the right person, you better find me in my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I need that. I'm like, well, literally, that's me. I don't leave, you know, I leave the house, obviously, but I, I don't really ever go anywhere. <laughs> I thought maybe when the kids are older and I'm actually able to leave the house. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully I do. Hopefully do I do meet somebody down the track, but I don't have time for that at the moment. <laughs> I just, I don't even, like I always think, where would I even find the time? I think that is what I myself at the moment, but I've only got one small child. You've got two. <laughs> You've got the two most important men in your life already there. So. Yes, exactly. And I wouldn't be devastated if I didn't like I'm I'm happy yeah they keep me busy they keep me happy if it's meant to be it'll be yeah 
Well, thank you so much, Sam, for sharing your story. It's really um, insightful to get a known donor story and to, to understand what you went through. So if anyone else is considering that path to make their dreams come true, then this is going to be really helpful for them. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.